Lord, all across our country this morning where people assemble, your Spirit, teach us. Your Holy Spirit, anoint us. Manifest to us. Speak to us. Love us, Lord. You are the head. We are members of your body. We are greatly loved and greatly favored. We have been forgiven so much. We are called by your name. We are here in your stead. We are on the earth for a divine purpose. And we assemble in your name and speak to us, deal with us, love us, forgive us, encourage us. Lord, bless this service and the whole day, not just here, but across the country and around the world. For your son's glory, we are so privileged to be in your family, to call on your name and to know you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray for a loved one or somebody that we know. Just do that with your neighbor for a moment and just say a prayer. Lord, some of your people are sick. Some have cancer, some struggle with nerve problems and stomach problems and eye problems and bone problems. And we are, we are in your name gathered and we can ask, we can ask, we see it in the Gospels, how much you healed what you did, how much compassion you have. And we just pray that as people listen today, they listen and hear, they would believe you for healing and trust you. We ask you this in your name today, Lord. Other things, maybe family, broken hearts, finances, stubborn habits, stubborn things that that just uh, linger. We pray they would be cast out, plucked up by the roots, cast into the sea, that we would believe you for all things today as our Father. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Okay, this morning we have uh, an amazing um, friend. Uh, started um, as a young man going to Poland, and a team, church planner, starting work in Poland, and then going to the Ukraine, um, church plant, team Ukraine, churches established, and then... Um, <laughs> Going to Texas. <laughs> and, um, you know, church planning, lover of men, Bible graduate, Bible man, missionary, evangelizing, ministering, discipling, training. And we have the privilege 
this morning for him to be with us. So let's give a great round hand for Pastor Chris Moore. cowboy boots. Good morning. It's beautiful to be here, and um, it's always an honor to stand before this body. We grew up here, and wonderful to see your faces. Greetings from my wife, Gosha, my son, Caleb, and the team in Texas, Pastor Jason Moore, Leah, Santa and Rachel, and the Speedies. Uh, thank you for sending them to us, Pastor. Great privilege to be a partner with them in the gospel. Matthew chapter 9, something that has just been on my heart. Um, thinking about prayer and how Jesus ministered. Let's read this together. But first, let's pray. Lord, bless these few words in Jesus' name. For your namesake, amen. Matthew 9, verse 35, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. Jesus is in his ministry in Galilee, starting in Matthew chapter 4. And now here he is in Matthew chapter 9. And as he's traveling through these cities and villages, he's teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, but when he saw the crowds, and I want to stop there for a minute and just look at these words with you. There's a mass movement of Christ preaching, ministering, and Matthew here in his gospel pauses for a moment to look at Jesus, as he's looking at the crowds, the way the Pharisees are looking at the crowds in verse 34 is with disdain, with disgust, very judgmental. They're looking at the crowds as problematic, riotous, um, woke, or whatever they're doing. And there's this moment where Jesus is seeing something that causes in his heart something he sees. And this word saw in the Greek means to look and not turn away. It means to look and behold. And he's beholding the crowds. And he was moved with compassion. There's a movement inside of Jesus when he's looking at the crowds. There is a an emotional reaction. There is something that he sees. And that is such a mystery, isn't it? What does Jesus see in the crowds? What does he see in people? I think when we look at the compassion of Christ, we're thinking, well, Jesus would be very compassionate to me if I was doing a good job in my religion, if I was trying hard, if I was obeying all the commandments, if I wasn't failing or struggling with old sin patterns. And I could in some way earn his compassion But no, Jesus' compassion is linked with his love and his mercy, and he's seeing the crowds, and he's moved by all of their brokenness, all the broken pieces of their decisions, 
He's moved because David said in the book of Psalms, he said that, Lord, you remember that I was framed in dust, and you think on this. The Lord thought on David in his broken humanity and his limited ways of understanding things. And Jesus is looking at the crowds, and he's seeing, he's seeing humanity that is plagued by sin. They are in a state that was caused by the first Adam, and there is this compassion. Angels don't ever get to perceive compassion. Proud people don't ever get to understand it. But here Jesus is having compassion. The compassion of Christ is moving towards the depths and the brokenness and the caverns of the dark parts of people's souls that are not known, and Jesus is seeing that, and he's moved. Think about that this morning. He's moved with compassion. He looks at cities. He looks at Baltimore. He looks at our families. He looks at tragedy. He looks at heartbreak. And there's something that moves Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2, it says that Jesus is not ignorant of things in our life because he too was subject to things in his humanity. There's compassion there. There's two types of compassion or understanding in the Greek mind of what charity is. One of them was that someone would see a need and they would be moved to do something and they would act in their will. But there's no hard engagement in that action. There's no hard attachment. The second concept is that someone would be moved to do something and there would be an engagement of their heart, an attachment of their heart to the party that they're ministering to. And this is what we see here with Jesus. There is an attachment. And we understand that God's love and God's compassion is not compromised. It does not tolerate sin. It's a holy, sacred love. It's pure and it's clean. But the compassion of Christ here causes him to enter in. John chapter 11, he causes him to enter into the funeral scene where he is moved to tears because he sees the heartbreak of what's happening at that funeral with Lazarus. Um, we see the compassion of Christ here for them. Why? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a because here. There is a purpose. There's a causative word, which means he was seeing that they had fainted. The Greek word here, fainted, means that they were just they had given up. They were done. They did their best they could. And they were done. The second word here was that they were that they were fainted, they were scattered. And that's a word here to be thrown down, to be disposed of. It's a word that kind of gives the impression that something has been used and has been disposed of. Something that you would like, something that you would see after a big event. You see trash all over the parking lot, maybe. Things that were enjoyable at the time, but now are worthless and are to be gathered and to be thrown away. And he saw people fainted, and they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And here's the pastoral heart of Christ. Jesus, as our great pastor, sees the state of the crowds, crowds that maybe that we see on TV, the riots that we see happening worldwide, maybe the politics, things that we see that maybe really get us angry, maybe that provoke us. Jesus here is seeing something, and he's moved in a different way because he's looking beyond the symptoms People react, we react, we do things, we say things, and very, very 
Rarely is that really connected to what's really happening inside of a person. And this is what compassion does. It's love that discerns. It discerns the need that's behind the reaction. And Jesus is seeing this with the people. And he saw that they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, we see here a pivot in the book of Matthew where we see the ministry of Christ in Galilee, and then it's turning to his disciples. And he says to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. This is a word that is the word polios or polis, which speaks of just many. It's just multiple. It's just it, there's a multitude of harvest, but the laborers are fruit few. And I think that when we when we saw briefly that video of of Nepal, we see what's happening in the world today. We hear what's happening in the Middle East, and there is this sense of maybe frustration or a sense of lack. What can I do? What can I do here in Baltimore? What can I do in my situation? And there is this sense that Jesus is looking at the harvest, and, and he's looking at the harvest from the perspective of a field. It goes from a flock to a field, and it's because the field is portraying a picture that there's a harvest and that there's a window for this harvest to be harvested. If not, then there's the danger that the harvest will perish, that it will die in the field. And this is the urgency that we see Christ speaking of. And he says, the laborers are few. Therefore, and this is a logical, this is a logical conclusion here that he's coming to a conclusion. When we see the needs of the world, what are we doing? There's a logical conclusion. It is pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And I think we can look at things, and if we're the type of person that wants to fill in the blank with our flesh or our, our activity or our achievement, then we miss the point here. Prayer, we see what's happening, and we go to the Lord of the harvest, and we petition him that he would send forth, that he would he would jettison out into the harvest laborers. This word labor is from a word, what we get the Greek word, Energy, energetic people, people that are not uh, dragging their feet, but there is this divine energy, there is this vision. And that they would go into the harvest, that he would send laborers into his harvest. And then verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, he calls his 12 disciples to him. For the first time in the book of Mark, we see the reference to 12 disciples as a unit, as a corporate as a group of individuals, men that have been with Jesus. And he says to them, he gives them authority, exousia. He gives them power on spiritual levels with uh, over principalities and powers over demons. And it says here in verse, verse 5, the 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them. He sends them out. I want to close with this, is... When we pray, when we see things that are just not happening, when we see things and we sense this frustration of the few or the unmotivated or we see things that are not happening or we can look at our own fields and we can see the great need and that troubles us, doesn't it? It troubles us. It troubles us to see what's happening in our nation. It's troubling us to see what's happening in the Middle East. It's troubling us to see the great harvest and really on my heart um, is, is really what's happening in the Middle East, that we would see something happen there. And there is things happening, but 
The laborers are so few. When we were in Iraq, we met so many Iraqis, many, many, many that had dreams, and we've heard about that a lot. They've had dreams of Christ coming to the coming to them. Speaking, one communist Iraqi said to me, he said, I had a dream. He said, I had I saw all the prophets of God, and they were all lined up, and there was one prophet that was shining above them all, and that must have been Muhammad. There was no man there to talk to him about the gospel. No one there to translate what was going on and what's the what is the what is the answer of prayer. Pastor Schaller and I were talking during outreach yesterday. And we were talking about the years in Lenox and what the Lord did in the 80s and the 90s and this great mission movement where we saw, and it just began with prayer. Pastor Schaller at the time was the missions director in Lenox, and maybe some of you remember that. We would be in his office. We'd have the world map stretched out on the floor. We'd be on our face. Daryl Jones was there. I remember him. And there were times when we were just looking at the world and we were seeking the Lord. Lord, would you do something? We cannot... The 80s in America at that time was very hard economically. People didn't have money. But we did it. We went. And last night we were in Pastor Roger Robbins' home, about 15 or 20 of us, and we were just talking about the Middle East, and we had a time of prayer. And we just beseeched the Lord for something new. And it was just on my heart, and I just initiated it to the group at the time, and I just said, maybe we could just take 40 days and beseech the Lord for the Middle East. Ask the Lord to send forth laborers. Ask the Lord to do something. I met with a guy in my church. He's from West Point, and he said to me, he's got friends in, in the government in high positions and um, in the military, and he said, this is an unprecedented time, what we see happening in the Middle East. Something like this has not happened with the, the response of our, of our Navy all over the world. And I think the answer is prayer. If we could seek the Lord's face and ask Him to and ask Him to move to send forth labors, and we could just take forty days. And I don't. I mean, you know, if you want, you can talk to Arto. He's he leads the Middle East prayer groups. And however the Lord touches your heart, and this is just this is just me making a suggestion. If if we could just pray for Pastor Mati and Kim Dowling and those that are out there in Israel and those that are serving out there, that we would see the Lord move and that a harvest would be gathered. And I like how this ends, chapter 10, verse 1. The people that are praying, they're the one that's called to go. They go, they're praying, and then God sends them. And I, I don't know, I mean, I, there's a disclaimer there with prayer, because if we pray, we're going to be finding ourselves the ones with the heart of God and the authority of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we go, and we see great things happen. And so let us pray for the Lord of the harvest. Let us pray that the Lord would send forth laborers that from our Bible college and from this church and from our churches in America and all over the world that we would see a refreshed movement in the Middle East. Amen. And maybe I can just close with that prayer. Father, we thank you, Father, for our labors in the Middle East today. The answer for the Political problems today is none other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the compassion of Jesus Christ, discernment that goes beyond political chaos and political ridiculousness. And Lord, we pray, pray for today, Israel, Turkey. We pray for Saudi Arabia, Oman, Yemen. Pray, Father, today for Central Asia. 
Lord, Iran, Iraq, pray for our disciple Abraham that called me this morning. Pray for him today. He's in Syria with a group of people ministering. Lord, we pray today, God, for your will to be done in Morocco and Algeria, Egypt, Sinai Peninsula, Lord. Do something in Jordan, Father, we pray. Syria, God. We look to you, God, and we just plead to you that you would send forth labors into your harvest. In Jesus' name, thank you for this church and this body. Amen. Just for a few minutes, uh, let's turn to Isaiah 28, and this is just complimenting what Pastor Chris shared. Um, that touched my heart, and this day of prayer for the church worldwide. One of my favorite magazines is this one, Voice of the Martyrs. I don't know if you get that magazine, but... It has great stories and information about the persecuted church, which is maybe never before in my heart been so much a big part of my Christian life that I could remember them. And I want to share with you just a a verse here and a short story. And this is uh, Isaiah 20. 28:15 Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell are we at agreement So many many Christians we had a, a great message recently on evil and it really touched my heart resonated with me for days Yeah if you remember I think it was on a Sunday night it was after that killing up in Maine. And then reading this magazine about um, the society in, the, in Sierra Leone, where there are these secret societies that are witches. More than half of Sierra Leoneans are Muslims. 13% are Christians, and they practice ethnic religion. And about 90% of the people are aligned with secret societies that dominate all aspects of life in Sierra Leone. At the age of puberty, boys are often initiated into the Poro Society, and girls are initiated into the Bondo Society. These societies are ruled over by uh, witch, witches and um, uh, men that are connected with demonic forces. And there's a picture of leaders of the Bondo society there. And this story is about this girl. She's on the cover page. Her name is Miracle. And she was born into a Muslim family raised by her grandmother. And she is a Zoe. Her grandmother is a Bondo leader for the village. When she turned 12, her grandmother began preparing her to become a Zoe 
as well. That's like a witch at the end of the school year. And it goes on, before she could send me to the forest to pick specific leaves, she would consult an evil demon spirit. Then I would be able to find the leaves that were needed. And the story goes on and explains how she was indoctrinated into it and also mutilated um, her genitals. And um, you can imagine all of this kind of activity in a very dark world. And making a covenant with the devil, look at chapter 28, verse 15. Because you said we made a covenant with death and with hell, are we at agreement? And the reality of Christ coming into the world to set people free. The reality of Jesus overcoming evil, evil spirits. And these secret societies, in the, in the, um, they, they know that Christians have this spiritual authority. One evening, a Christian pastor arrived with a projector and a small screen. He'd come to the village to share the Jesus film. As she watched the life of Jesus, Jesus projected on the screen, miracles said she felt moved by Christ's teachings and miracles. She realized that she had encountered Jesus in the spiritual realm. He was the force who had protected the Christians she and her mother and grandmother had tried to control. My heart was fixed to the Lord Jesus Christ, she said. I started yearning to give my life to Christ. At the conclusion of the film, the pastor asked if anyone wanted to place his faith in Christ. She decided to walk forward. I made an attempt, but it was like something held me back. Although she didn't walk forward at the moment, Miracle later joined the pastor and others at a church in a nearby village where they prayed. Miracle still hadn't come to faith, but she said she felt at peace during the all-night prayer meeting. When Miracle returned home the next morning, her grandmother, who was back, asked her where she had been. The people who came, they have a church. That was all her grandmother needed. I made you a leader in our society. What are you doing with these church people? Her grandmother gathered the elder Bondo women, told them that Miracle had attended a church service. Immediately a decision was reached that for treading my foot in the church I should be killed, Miracle said. I had violated the law. About 30 women took Miracle into the forest, made her take off her clothes and tied her down. They flogged me very seriously that night. They said, if you ever try to follow that pastor, the next time we will kill you. Miracle headed for the pastor's house as soon as she was untied, but the women realized where she was going and recaptured her. They beat her again. One of the women rubbed a crushed hot pepper in her eyes, and elsewhere, screaming, Miracle broke free and continued running to the pastor's house. Realizing Miracle's life was in danger, the pastor and his wife immediately led her in their home. When the Bondo women arrived at the house, a short time later, they ceremonially cursed an area at the pastor's house where he showed the Jesus film. Throughout the night and into the morning, they threw stones at the house, ordered the pastor to release Miracle so they could kill her. Eventually, the pastor was able to take her to the church 
where she stayed with another pastor for a month. You've gone through all of this for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be discouraged. Keep the faith. God is going to provide you a way. The pastor was taking care and since that she was still controlled by a dark spirit. So for one week he fasted and prayed. I did not feel the physical world, she recalled. I felt the spiritual realm. Prayer is what brought me back to the normal way with people. What I, what I can remember, I fell to the ground. The pastor was praying and something came out of me. When that thing came out of me, I could remember myself and feel the physical again. It was a spirit that was inside my life. Ten years after coming to the faith, she's part of a vibrant church. The church is helping me to understand God's word. Whatever comes my way, they come around me to encourage me and pray with me. She graduated from a three-year sewing program. She's grateful for her work, her job, her church. The most important thing is staying in Christ Miracle's grandmother is unable to attack her through the spiritual realm. Okay, so that's the story. Um, I yeah, it's amazing. Okay, <clears throat> um, yeah, I would say our faith is so precious and it's so important that we would go to parts of the world. Because in verse 18 of this chapter, it says, And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then then you shall be trodden down by it. You know, you know, there is no hiding place in the world except in Christ. There's no answer for death except Christ. There's no power over demon spirits except Christ. We are those ministers that bring the message and love people, pray for them, serve them, and try to reach them. Today we're praying for the people, the Christians in the world that are persecuted, people that are in parts of the world where they don't have what we have. And unfortunately in our society, people are leaving the very thing that that is the answer for life. And so we just recognize that today. Okay, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for Pastor Shabelli and the work in Africa, in dark places, where the sisters and brothers that preach minister the gospel. For this school, where we can train people. When people make an agreement with hell, it's broken through Christ. People make an agreement with death. It's broken by Christ. The power of your Holy Spirit in our life 
give us victory in our personal lives, to lead us in faith and make us members of your body. We pray, Father, for all of the workers in India, in Asia, Lord, and give our people the authority to stand against the wiles of the devil, to put on the armor, the helmet and the shield, the shoes, the girdle. Lord, that we would stand against the enemy and bring the message of Christ to the hearts of people. We thank you, Lord, for what has happened through these decades. Bless our day today and lead us. And anyone listening that you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, put your trust in him. He forgives you. He loves you. The work is finished. Walk by faith in him and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Accept Jesus today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.